Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Des McHale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, lateral thinking puzzles, mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, world's best word puzzles, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words are some of the books we've written. And in this series of podcasts, we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, come back and listen to some more. Well, here I am in Cork in Ireland with my co-author Des McHale. And uh, Des, how are you? Very well, thank you. Delighted to have you here. <laughs> it's great to be here. Because I know you've got Irish origins, which is nice. <laughs> I've got Irish origins and heritage, uh, as do you. <laughs> of course. Um, but yes, uh, nice to meet face-to-face after so many Zoom calls. And we've co-authored uh, how many books together? 20 or more? About 20 books, yeah. Yes, yeah. and we did a lot of lateral thinking puzzle books and um, they did the word book and so on. And I want to talk about lateral thinking and lateral thinking puzzles and puzzles in general, uh, because why are people so fascinated by puzzles, do you think? I, I, I find that a mystery, and I think it's a universal human attribute that you want to know the answer to something. And just look at all the situations where you'd like to know the answer. Crossword puzzles, you want to know what the answers to the crossword puzzles are. If you watch a whodunit on television, you want to know who committed the murder. Um, if you're a mathematician, you want to know what's the structure of something, what's the answer to a certain problem. But children, even from the very early age, they start asking each other riddles and they want to know the answer. Yes, Knock they do. knocks and all that type of thing. And they're very pleased when they get the answer out themselves and they're very annoyed if they don't get the answer out. So it seems to be something that we spend all our time doing and we can ask why. Well, we often watch box sets, you know, the popular uh, series uh, with several episodes on TV. And very often, it's a very old device, they'll end with a cliffhanger. Uh, and the end, of the, the, and the the the, um, the hero is dangling from a rope off the edge of a cliff or something. And you want to know what happens. You want to know the resolution. Yeah. And we want closure in stories. And people love stories, but they don't want to know what the result is, what the, the end is. They don't want to be left hanging. And it's the same with puzzles. Uh, you not want to know the once you know the answer, you lose interest. That's great. And you go on to the next thing. But puzzles are really uh, important. So why then is mathematics not more popular? Because mathematics really is a series of puzzles, isn't it? That's correct. I think the problem is that the puzzles in mathematics are very difficult sometimes and they require a lot of concentration and they require a lot of time. And we're living in a generation that wants fairly immediate answers. For example, they they do it at the end of a series in television, but they also do it when the ad break is coming up. There will be a puzzle there and they want to make sure that you sit through the ad <laughs> so that you won't actually exactly. miss the solution to the puzzle. Yeah. But it seems to be different. But it also seems to be enjoyable. We get great satisfaction when we see the answer, especially if the answer is unexpected. And the more unexpected it is, the more pleasure we get from it. And I think education could be improved a lot if it were a series of puzzles. Sometimes it is. And with good teachers, they ask a question and they know that the students want to know what the answer is. And then they will wait around for that answer and they get certain satisfaction. They would also remember it much better if they thought about it themselves. And I think that that's good education. But bad education is just handing, doling people out facts and various things like that. If there's a problem, it seems to catch the imagination of the student involved. And I feel that I feel we could use it an awful lot more. And advertisers do it, of course, as well, because, you know, they, they... they want you to know what the outcome of a certain thing is. So, but why? And I think that 
Well, in the early days when people had to survive, when they had to get food and they had to get shelter, it was a puzzle. How do I get enough food to live and make my help my family live? How do I build a shelter that's going to stay up in bad weather or something like that? So they were, and that's where engineering came from, because it was solving practical problems with good solutions that lasted. And I think it is more important to the development of mankind to actually answer questions like that than a lot of other things we look at. And yet... Um, science is about answering puzzles, whether it's chemistry or physics or biology. Engineering is about solving puzzles. Mathematics is about solving puzzles. And yet young people often lose interest in maths and science. And it, somehow they get turned off. And instead of turning to that to do puzzles, they'll turn to Wordle or uh, Crossword or something else. So why aren't they finding science and engineering and mathematics fulfilling in terms of puzzle Solution. I wonder, maybe it's because it's too abstract. You know, I mean, I, I know what to speak, but I, I love abstract mathematics, sort of set theory and group theory and all that type of thing. But for the average person, I think you need, you need to be able to relate to what's going on. If you can tell them it's some... And one very good way of doing mathematics is with sport. And, you know, I would ask questions of classes and say, I mean, what are the chances of Manchester United winning? Or, I mean, who's going to win the league this year or something like that? And if they think it's a question about football, they then will become very interested in working out the answer. Yes. And but if, if you do it to them more abstractly, they won't they won't be interested because they aren't interested in abstract things. So you've got to camouflage the questions in a real life situation. Now, you can do, do this to a ridiculous extent, but you should do it some way along the line so they can identify with the problem and the question and what's going on. Make them think they're solving practical problems when they're actually doing abstract science. I think that's the secret. Yes, and many of the kids who say they don't like mathematics at school, when it comes to gambling and placing bets on horses or football, they, they, suddenly they understand the odds and the mathematics Absolutely. very, very accurately. Or and I, they'll do accumulators and calculators. That's very quite. true. And that's quite difficult stuff. Yes. I found the same thing with playing darts. If you can phrase a number theory question in terms of how many darts have you got to go, they think it's a question about darts where it's a question about numbers. Yes. But it takes a skillful teacher, I think, to do this. Yes. And I don't think in teacher training colleges they emphasise this enough, that you've got to disguise the stuff in such a way that the people will think they're talking about something else. And what you pick there is perfect gambling. But that's where, where probability theory started, people yes. looking to improve the odds at the gambling table mm -hmm. or playing cards. And parents would come to me and say, I mean, what what things can I buy for my child that's going to interest in mathematics and they'd be prepared to spend maybe several hundred pounds. I'd say, have you got a couple of quid handy? Buy a pack of playing cards. You can learn as much about mathematics with a pack of playing cards as you can from the most sophisticated computer devices or the best books because it's, it's all about gambling. It's all about chances. It's all about probability. And everybody can identify with a pack of playing cards. And uh, I, I think that we miss a lot of opportunities by not looking at everyday things round about us. Well, let me tell you a playing card question. So a man was dealing a hand at bridge uh, at the table and he was dealing uh, out the cards around and um, the phone rang and he put down half the, however many was left in the pack on the table. He didn't know how many. He went to answer the phone and he came back and he didn't know where he'd finished, how many he dealt. How did he complete the deal exactly right? You tell me. Do you not know this one? No. It's a beautiful puzzle. It's a lateral puzzle. So he's dealt yeah. out four hands, and he, he may have dealt out 20 cards, 30 cards, doesn't he? He's got the pack left. He, can't, he doesn't have time to count them. And what he does was, so he dealt out clockwise. He picks up the what's left, and starting with the bottom card, he deals that to himself, and then he deals the rest of them anti-clockwise, and that perfectly completes That's the very deal. very nice. That is very, very Isn't nice. Isn't that a beautiful it puzzle? Is. Yeah. 
Well, I can add to that the list of card tricks that that are useful. I mean, you can you can get lots of combinatorial problems with cards as well. Can you lay out if you take the sixteen color cards from the pack, the Ace, Queen, King, Jack, uh, of each suite, and lay them out in a four by four square so that everything appears once and only once in each row and column and diagonals. And that's a really nice, tough problem you can give to any kid. And they can do it experimentally because they know exactly what's going on. And anybody who gets that out really knows and understands mathematics. So well, another, well, Parliament's a very good one where they have to get, get the suits and that, that kids pick that up in no time. But Pelmanism, I don't know whether it's still called Pelmanism, yeah, yeah. where you put all the cards face down right. and you have to find pairs. That's it's a, terrific memory training. Game, it is, yeah, it's a it tough is. game. And kids uh, pick that up and they can compete with adults very, they very can, well. They and they have to yeah. concentrate. Yeah. And it, you have to remember, and yeah. you can't remember it all, but you just remember some yeah. of it and, and focus as hard we, as you can. We played that with our kids, and they loved it, and they were very good. And as you said, they could normally beat me in it because they seemed to have very good memory, very good idea of what was going on. So n not just a pack of playing cards, but the games that traditionally played, like chess, of course, and drafts or checkers, and snakes and ladders, and anything where you roll a dice, I mean, uh, dominoes even, I mean, they're all traditional games that have survived for a long, long time. Maybe they're not as popular now as they were with computer games and all that type of thing, but they're still very good for children to play. And I, I think that they can learn an awful lot from them. As I say, memory is good. Recognition is good. Just all the elements, really, of a, of, a, of a puzzle or a problem. But I would like to think that we can elevate the topic here by looking at philosophy. Because the philosophers are really asking is, life all about? Why, why do human beings exist? Where have we come from? Where are we going? Is there an afterlife? Very difficult questions that really nobody can answer. I remember hearing a philosopher say once, he said, don't worry about the afterlife, he said. Nobody on this earth can really, not even the greatest theologian, can really decide whether there is an afterlife or not. And you're going to die someday, and you know soon enough after you die. <laughs> so don't worry about it. I thought that true. was very nice. Stop worrying about yeah. it. Either it's there or it's not there, and you'll find out soon enough. But I mean, there's some very hard questions there that the average person maybe does not ask himself or herself. Like, you know, I mean, what what is the... And this, of course, leads into ethics and morality. I mean, what are the things you should do? What are the things you shouldn't do? Is there a basic morality that everybody should follow? Should everybody obey the Ten Commandments? Is one religion as good as another? You know, all those They're very good questions that a lot of young people, I think, don't really ask themselves nowadays because I think maybe they're afraid. They're afraid that the answers aren't there. And you've got to, at some stage in your life, formulate some sort of philosophy of life. And there's some very difficult philosophical questions that you've got to come up with in your own life. I yes. Think it, it's I'm, not that it, it's, it's, it, it does impinge on humanity in general, but it impinges on your life and my life and everybody's life. And you need to have some set of principles that you're going to live your life by. I'm not saying they have to be religious. They could be religious, but you've got to actually do it. And there, uh, there are the ultimate problems because we don't know the answers. There are no yeah, answers in the um, back of the book. Religion used to provide a moral framework for everyone. And, and it was very clear what was right and what was wrong. Things were prescribed. It's, you can't kill people, you can't steal, you can't eat meat on Fridays, whatever they were. Right, yeah. There was definite rules and you knew if you'd broken them. And that helped people in some ways. Some people think it was a straitjacket and it was confining. But what's it been replaced by? Well, very, very smart people, humanists can define what's right and wrong. But some people don't have a moral compass. And some people will say, well, what I think is my values are as, as good as your values. And, yeah, and yeah. don't tell me what's right yeah, and wrong. Yeah. And if I'm poor, it's OK for me to steal from a shop because that's justified because yeah. the shop's making big profits. Yeah. And and 
they they can justify whatever they do and and they don't see an absolute right and wrong yeah. in 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 the sense that there was before when we had religion yeah. uh, and people are frightened to state what's right and wrong and these kids can often go way off beam until they end up in front of a magistrate I and then the magistrate will tell them yeah. what's right and wrong but it's it's too late then in a sense I, I think one very good way of telling what's right and wrong for anybody is consequences you mm. look at what happens now that's why i think drug taking is wrong because you look at the consequences and th there's a saying that i can't trace the the origin of and i'd love if somebody could tell me where it came from but it goes as follows it says God will forgive your carnal excesses, but your mucous membranes won't. <laughs> I think that's a wonder because that is absolutely true. Put morality aside for a moment. Look what the body, if you do certain things with your body, it will answer you back in a very nasty. If you smoke cigarettes, then you are very likely to get lung cancer. And there's nothing God can do about that or anything else. Because that's your body's reaction to saying that is a wrong thing to do. Ah, well, here we disagree because I think people should be allowed to make choices in their own lives. I'm a libertarian. And if those, if those choices are dangerous or foolish, provided they're not hurting someone else, I think they should be allowed ah, to do it. that's the snag. They're not hurting somebody else, but they're going to hurt you have a father and you have a mother and you have a I wife know. or you have a husband. And, you have and it's, it's going, there is no such thing as something that doesn't hurt somebody else. We are in, we're not dependent. We're dependent on other people. For our birth and for our existence and for our upbringing, therefore, we cannot act in such a way that's not going to hurt them in some way. Well, that's a fine philosophy, but I think yeah. you're, you're, you're on very uh, supercilious ground there, even patronising to say yeah. you should do nothing that ever offends anyone else, because if you do that, you're not going to take any risks. Right, well, you're you not going to do anything. You should try hard not to. You should try hard. You should. I think manners and politeness are valuable, and they're old-fashioned things yeah. which have gone out of yeah. fashion in many respects. But nonetheless, I think if you want to climb a mountain, you should be allowed to do so. Even if it, there's a risk, you're going to fall off the mountain, break your leg and have the yeah, ambulance well, service come out and rescue that's you. That's right. One of the mountain rescue people, they will risk their lives. To yes, they will. You. But yeah. I think they, they should be allowed to do yeah. that. Well, I'm glad we disagree on something. It's, <laughs> it's very dull if we don't agree. But th th this is very fundamental to the way I think that you are very much part of humanity. You're very much part of society. Everything you do affects other people, and therefore you've got to be very careful what you do. Yes. And, and you think... certainly take no risks by doing that. Maybe you should have the... the... I mean, I, I don't believe that, that liberty is such a marvellous and wonderful thing. I mean, I'm free to do a lot of things that I, I don't do, I don't want to do, and I, I think I would nearly apply that to other people. I don't think they should be free to do them. If, if, if... Here's a topic that impinges on this, and that's the notion of evil. Do you believe that evil exists in the world? I don't think you're an evil person. I don't actually think I'm an evil person myself. But I think there are evil people. There are, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And we see examples of it every day. Uh, and we read about it in the newspapers and we see it on the news. Um, and people make choices. And as you say, choices have consequences. Yeah. And they can have consequences for you and consequences for others. Um but uh, people should be responsible and answerable for their own choices. Yeah. But we shouldn't, I believe, live in a nanny state which prescribes anything which is out of line, anything which, which yeah. uh, is contrary to... Well, here's an example. Let me give you My belief is that I, I worked for many, many years in the anti-smoking movement and I saw what smoking did people. I believe that cigarette smoking should be banned full stop. And some countries are doing this. New Zealand has tried to bring in legislation where you actually ban cigarettes, push them underground. The people would still try and smoke. But would would you believe in doing that? No, no. no I think you should save be allowed a lot to... of lives. It would save a lot of lives. But you know, in Britain, two hundred people a year die swimming in the sea. 
or on boating accidents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if we banned swimming in the sea, we'd save 200 lives. Yeah. Should we ban swimming in the sea? Of course not. Yeah. People should be free oh, no, to I swim in the say, sea. Of course not. I wouldn't swim in the sea because I can't swim. I don't <laughs> want to get drowned. Yeah. But would you ban it? Would you say to other people, I'm a keen swimmer. I love to yeah, swim in the yeah. sea. Every but time every time I, I go in the sea, there's a slight risk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. By the way, did you know that if you go swimming with another person, it reduces your chance of being eaten by a shark by 50%. <laughs> very good. I like that. It's true. It's true. It's just being smart. Yeah, I'd love you to be serious just for a moment, but that's good. That's good. That's the best time to throw a joke into a conversation when people think you're being serious. <laughs> Say it in a serious tone of voice. I agree with you fully. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to puzzles. We've uh, right. written all of these books of puzzles. Well, I mean, we, we, we both agree that the most enjoyable type of puzzles are lateral thinking puzzles because anybody can do them and they've got quirky little twists in there that you, ah, yes. And if you do a good lateral thinking puzzle with somebody, they love the solution. I remember doing uh, one of the most famous lateral thinking puzzles with a group of teachers one night. And it was um, the, 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 this kid was warned never to open the attic door the, the basement door, or he would see things that he shouldn't see. So one night when his parents were gone out, he opened the basement door. What did he see? I know, and that's and one of my favourites too. wonderful lateral thinking puzzle. And, and, and what it does is it exposes, when you hear the answer, it's yeah. a, a, typically a shock, yeah, but true. it exposes the assumptions that you make. And that's you make true. assumptions, first of all, about where he is and yeah. his situation. Yeah. You make assumptions that something down in the basement must be hidden, it must be his Christmas presents or right, a, right. an evil relative. Right. And also you make the assumption the parents are benign. That's right, yeah. yeah. And yeah. not all parents so, are benign. Yeah. And funny enough, it started off as a joke. It was a joke by the famous comedian Emo Phillips. He just told it as a joke oh, really? and gave away the punchline of the joke was the solution. But then we turned it into a lateral thinking puzzle. Yeah, so you I, may I as well, you'll have to reveal the answer now. Well, what, did, what did the little well, boy see? I did see? with a group what, of teachers and one teacher had to go and catch a bus. He said, please, please, please tell me the solution again. And the solution is, of course, that he what? saw sunlight, sunlight and the trees flowers and flowers and because he'd been kept all his life in the basement by his evil parents. Uh, and because you start off by thinking you look down into a cellar, right, yeah. down into the basement, yeah. you started in the wrong place yeah. to solve the yeah. problem. Yeah. He wasn't looking down, and he was looking you, up. Once you get locked into that assumption, you cannot break out of it. You cannot. And that's the great thing about lateral thinking puzzles, that yeah. they demonstrate that we are hidebound by assumptions. We all make assumptions and they limit our possibilities. Yeah. And we don't ask obvious questions that are stupid and silly that would shatter those assumptions yeah. because we don't think it children be done. do yeah. when you ask a child they'll ask all sorts of stupid questions um and, and basic questions childlike questions are very powerful mm -hmm. yeah a similar one is the girl who goes to um her, her uncle's funeral and she sees this most gorgeous man they're the most beautiful man she's ever seen in all her life but he, he doesn't pay any attention to her and he goes away and she thinks she might never see him again so what does she do? She goes home and she murders her mother. Yes. Yeah. Why? Because there'll be another funeral. And, just, and, and presume yeah. that's the way a psychopath thinks. That's exactly it. They, they, that's used as a test for psychopaths. If you get the solution for that, you're psychopathic. I mean, yes. no normal person would come up with that solution. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. yeah. But to children ask very basic questions. You know, Roger Hargreaves was on a walk with his son and his little son asked He's him a question. He's the Mr. Man guy, is he? Yeah. He asked yeah. the question that no adult would ask. He asked this question. He said, Daddy, he said... What does a tickle look like? <laughs> and Roger Hargreaves said, What does a tickle look like? And he went back and he drew Mr. Tickle. And then he drew all of the Mr. Men and Little Miss books. 
based on a child's question because children have a different view of the world and and they can um, imagine things without limits and we play the older we get the more experienced we get the more limits we place just like the guy who invented velcro i mean he came back from a a walk in the countryside and those little sticky things that come off plants were stuck to that and he looked at one under a microscope and he saw the structure there and made velcro george de mestral was his name swiss engineer george de mestral but velcro was not popular initially. It was the space exploration that it was used on spacesuits. Right. And then it, years, years later, he found yeah. it in the 1940s. It and wasn't until shoes, yeah. years later that it became popular in clothing and shoes. Yeah. So yeah. very often inventions, great innovations, great pieces of thinking, are, if they're ahead of the time, the inventor doesn't get much reward. So, so life is a great puzzle. We're surrounded by puzzles. We won't solve many of them. We've solved some of them. We've solved enough to get by. Once we solve them, we lose interest in it and we sort of take things for granted. But I think the puzzle is central to human thought, to education, to philosophy, to mathematics, to science. We should pay more attention to puzzles, I think. And which of your books would you recommend to our listeners uh, as, as the best for puzzles? Um, well, I've done uh, a book of mathematical puzzles called Superbrain. And Superbrain is mathematical puzzles, but they're all very elegant solutions. Yes. I think that's for people who are mathematically inclined. I think any of our lateral thinking puzzles, the the, the selection, the best of them that we did, yeah. are really suitable for anybody. Well, yeah, the first book I wrote, Lateral Thinking Puzzlers, is still in print, and that's very popular. It's got all the classics in. My most recent book, which came out this year, which is called Lateral Thinking for Every Day, has some puzzle elements. And we wrote a book of mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, yes. which is still going well. So yeah. I would recommend any of those. So I think uh, it's time for us to go and have a cup of tea, Des. I think that was a, an interesting chat. Thank Very you. Much. Thank you.